Uh, living the dream, young ones, they be doing some things, going so big, after you me, keeping it real, that's how it feels, yeah. Living the dream, living, living, yeah, living the dream, living the dream, that's how it feels, keeping it real, that's how it seems. Welcome to Living the Dream with your host, Sandy Clinton. So I hear you have been to five countries so far at such a young age. Yeah, that's true. That must be interesting, right? Um, yeah, it was mostly because as I was traveling with my mother, uh, she does a psychology meetings with other doctors. There's like an international community of psychologists. Mm-hmm. So sometimes she speaks to, well, she does like meetings and speaks to other psychologists, does lecturers in other universities and stuff like that. So that's what she, that's what, how it, it enabled us to travel so far. All right. Can you please name the five countries you've traveled to? Uh, I would travel to first, my first country I remember traveling to was Britain and the UK okay. and then France, Netherlands, China and finally I remember traveling to Canada. Canada, okay. That must be interesting. So out of the five you've traveled to, which country would you say was the best um, country which gave you the best um, experience? Uh, best is like a def- definitive thing. Because what I would say is what I all these certain aspects that I liked about each country, but the one that left I think the biggest impression was China and the UK. And reason being, uh, in the UK mostly it's because I don't know, but like in London, it's literally one of the most diverse cities in the world. Okay. So just going out there and just seeing that much diversity, all these cultures intermingling. Just, you know, just seeing this old, like London is such a weird but diverse yet complex city. These big contrasts with between old and new and just the whole mm. mixture between people, the way they talk, the way they interacted. As a child, I was always obsessed with how, like, everything was cooperating, just like the connections between people. All right. So, uh, which country would you say was the worst, where you had your worst experience? Canada, because I remember uh, it was during the airport when we landed and my mother was, I don't want to say racially profiled, Mm. but I remembered we had to stay behind because the security thought that we were exhibiting suspicious behavior and we were searched and (laughs) interviewed and all that and I don't know, the, like, we spent almost 12 hours in the airport Damn. after we landed because they were still doing all these searches and stuff like that. Okay. I think it was mostly also after the whole um, Ebola outbreak. Okay. It was in the midst of the entire Ebola outbreak and the moment our passport said South Africa, it was just, and <laughs> they jumped on yeah. us, like they jumped on us, we had to sit there and we couldn't leave the airport until tests came back, we were yeah. searched for any foreign organic material, okay. I remember it was a thing of I had to be slipped, like I had to take off a few articles of clothing, I only okay. had like my pants and some stuff and it was just an uncomfortable feeling because yeah. first and foremost there's like an adult man touching me and it was okay. yeah i just i hated that experience and that pretty much ruined everything because immediately afterwards i think we just went to the hotel in toronto and yeah 
challenge. I remember that entire trip because of that experience, we yeah. weren't motivated to go outside. Damn, that's crazy. So you say that's Canada? Uh, yeah, in Toronto, Canada. Alright, so if you were to change that place, you will change the airport system or? Uh, I'd change a lot more, but would yes. Would you mind stating those uh, things you will state? Uh, you will change? First and foremost, if I would have changed a lot of experiences, I feel like, well, I understand very much that they had in the racist, I mean, they had to be aware of the whole thing and I understand that they had to be aware of the whole Ebola outbreak and obviously okay. us coming from Africa at the time it it, it set them off okay. but I just felt like they were a bit too unharsh because first and foremost I think I was 10 years old or 9 years old around that time yeah. and it just felt so weird with them being so searching and seemingly as if I am like a perpetrator yeah, yeah. so I guess first and foremost and I always see this in social media but honestly out of them all the countries that I've visited I feel like Canada is actually very racist despite their progressive politics and everything yeah, yeah. their whole system needs to change I've read more and more and just the more I know about it that entire country is just bullshit man also the gentrification and the inflation everything is so fucking expensive and I don't understand how working class people would live in that city because mm. first and foremost it's kind of literally one of the most expensive cities in the world as of currently, Toronto. Mm -hmm. Regardless of food and public transport, the public transport in itself, I feel like it's mimicked the worst parts of America yeah. in terms of it being a car-dependent country because that essentially limits people who don't have a car. Like for us in that city as a traveler, when we first came in, it's either like it was difficult getting around the city because we don't have a car, we didn't, we didn't rent a car, yeah. and we had to rely mostly on public transport, and that's where it kind of failed. Although the metro rail system, I won't lie, is quite advanced. Yeah. Generally speaking, if you as a stranger do not live in that country, you practically, it's difficult getting around it. It's really difficult, the accessibility in that city is, yeah, it's not that accessible. I wish I could say that it was, something else but it's not accessible it's difficult traveling around getting to public transport systems and stuff like that mm. and just you know we had to talk and interact with a lot of people all right, all generally right. making me realize that yeah but we had to talk with a lot of people we had to you know we needed a lot of help all right all right yeah. so you've heard it from himself uh mr sia mm -hmm. Yeah, today we're joined by Sia. Uh, he'll be telling us his perspective on the World War III that is happening right now between Russia and Ukraine. So uh, he knows a lot about politics and he's a travel enthusiast. So we'll be telling more on that. Uh, Mr. Sia, what is your perspective on the war that is happening right now, World War III? Uh, currently, as the media states, it's more of a conflict than a war. But mm -hmm. yes, you're not wrong. This could trigger World War III. And I feel like, generally speaking, it's like a psychop war, something. There's like a lot what of propaganda. Mean? It means like a lot of propaganda is being used as of currently. I might sound like I'm wearing a tinfoil hat and being crazy. But generally speaking, there's been a crackdown on politics and propaganda. And generally, views that don't fall into the mainstream perspective um, the mainstream commentary about the war because okay let's start with 
how the war starts, as of my opinion, okay. as of how I am stating it, but what I know and the information and the information I've gathered and people what have told me okay. is that generally speaking, NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty Organization, is the aggressor in this war. Mm -hmm. As so this perspective, and I've tried to see both perspectives. I'm not a person who tries to always look at the mainstream view. Okay. So they said NATO's a aggressor and that Ukraine generally did has violated the Minsk Agreement, an agreement that happened after the annexation of Crimea in twenty fourteen. So would you mind simplifying that for the listeners because <laughs> I barely got anything. Okay, so in twenty fourteen Russia annexed the region of Crimea in Ukraine. A mm -hmm. generally Russian speaking population. As you know, I think I explained to you the politics and how the linguistics and all the different ethnic groups in Russia, I mean in Ukraine. But the eastern parts of Ukraine are mostly dominated by Russian-speaking individuals. Okay. And it's generally, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's basically that. And Crimea was a Russian-speaking region of Ukraine. And there's been separatists. Crimea, as yeah. in, it's like a province in Ukraine. Yeah, it's a regional province. Okay. So to speak, okay. and uh, there's been separatists in Crimea. Mm -hmm. People wanted to separate from the main Ukrainian government as they feel like they've been discriminated against okay. due to a lot of things like them. Apparently, there's been legislation passed in Ukraine okay. that prevented the Russian-speaking population from learning their own language and okay. basically just speaking the Russian language in the area and stuff like that. Okay. And that is just, you know, something that there's been harshly... Yeah, it's been a, a whole compromising thing. Regardless of that, they've also been speaking about discrimination, about the Russian-speaking population and so forth. Okay. So Russia sponsored the Russian separatists. So the separatists in Crimea have been sponsored by the Russian government to separate themselves from the Ukrainian main country and that sort of led to the annexation in which the Russian government decided to intervene and annex that entire region of Crimea. Okay, and I barely got because you're using, you, you seem like a person who knows what they're talking about and you have a lot of knowledge on that. And oh. before we go even further, um, which side are you on? Do you agree with Russia or Ukraine? I feel like neither. And I'm not saying that gen generally speaking, what, I'm, what I hate about this is it's causing a lot of contrast between the people. Especially, it's. I feel like it, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, I'm just saying, but what I'm saying is it's not exactly a good idea to make people pick a side in a war, especially okay. considering not a lot of people even know what's going on. A lot of people are supporting Ukraine and not realizing the intents that they're doing so forth in Russia. What Honest, does that mean? Uh, honestly speaking, I don't support the Russian government. It's an authoritarian okay. regime that's not even helping the people. It's literally run by oligarchs. Oligarchs, you know, are people who have concentrated the wealth, the nation's wealth and power okay. into a small amount of people. And Vladimir Putin is an oligarch. Okay, okay. So, generally speaking, I don't think it's really for the benefit of everybody else. What I really believe is the perspective of the working class people or the average person in Russia and Ukraine. Right. So, if you had the power um, on this uh, matter, what would you change? What would you do as an individual? As an individual, first mm -hmm. and foremost, I feel like the United States needs to agree that the, 
there has been aggressive intent in Ukraine okay. ever since the coup in 2013 or what the coup has said. I did a research on it. Uh, you can read the Wikipedia page, but the Euro maiden coup in 2013, okay. in which led to the uprising and the overthrowing of the Ukrainian government in 2013. Okay. So generally speaking, after that, Ukraine has trying, it's been trying to become more European. Okay. And by the, and by the and by NATO including them in Ukraine, I mean by NATO including Ukraine into its agreement and stuff like that, yeah. it's seen as sort of an aggressive aggressive attempt on towards Russia because there's been an agreement sort of that they wouldn't try to step on Russia's turf. And I'm not okay. saying that the Ukrainian people or the Ukrainian country is a territory of Russia or something to be influenced by Russia. But generally speaking, NATO isn't the superhero into this entire thing. They're not really here to help. So, so what I would necessarily do is I would at least like to form a consensus that yes, there is aggression, NATO's aggression, and that they do. And I actually agree with Vladimir Putin. There is a big Nazi problem in the current in the current Ukrainian government. Okay. I'm not sure if you know about the Azov Battalion or Regiment. Not really. But it's a far-right neo-Nazi group that has been incorporated into the Ukrainian army. Okay. And it's been influencing them to develop far-right politics. And this is exactly problematic. Because the moment you start including Nazis into your formal military, then you pretty much have lost the scheme. And it's not exactly a good look on you guys, because if Nazis win this war, then, you know, it seems a bit, I wouldn't want to say good, but yeah. yeah. And I really believe that Ukraine should at least take care of its Nazi problem. I'm not saying that Russia doesn't have a Nazi problem of its yeah. own. Yeah. I mean, it is known that Vladimir Putin himself isn't exactly the best in terms of politics. Okay. I don't know if you know much about Russian politics and everything. Not but really, but uh, so far we have gathered a lot of knowledge from you in just a few minutes. And how long do you think this war will last? And what type of impact does it have, does it have on uh, small countries like South Africa and all those other countries? First and foremost, I feel like we could be looking at Afghanistan-type years, as okay. in 10 or 20 years. So like, how long do you think the war will last? 10 or 20 years. We could be looking at Afghanistan-type years, man. We could have... Mm. You know, like... I don't think this is going to be something that could be solved quickly. And I understand the meaning of these sanctions so far that the West has imposed on Russia okay. in trying to make them back down. But honestly speaking, it's not going to give them the the thing that they want, so to speak. Alright, so I've uh, heard that um, the World War Three that is happening right now is impacting South Africa. We are going to um, experience inflation in yes. a few months. Or I don't know if it has begun or anything. It's like sort of a compounding on the COVID inflation. Because okay. we've already been experiencing record high mm -hmm. prices, price increases thanks to the Thanks to the whole supply chain crisis, all those, the COVID crisis, everything. Mm -hmm. It's sort of been an entire, it's been compounding recently. And yes, this has been a major thing because Russia controls quite a large percentage of the oil 
in the world yeah. the oils like the venue in the world and stuff like that mm. and that might increase fuel prices and if fuel prices increase generally inflation increases because yeah. you know what drives that is that because you know if petrol is more expensive then transporting things is more expensive yeah. and if transporting things is more expensive the goods themselves become expensive okay. and that's leading to a whole inflation thing and it's just generally you know Russia is, is while not a huge part of the market is still a significant player yeah, yeah it still true. controls a lot of the Russian like a lot of our fresh produce in Europe and in Africa we still get them from there mm. and I'm not talking like your vodka and stuff like that I'm talking like fruits and vegetables like yeah. Russia has a very large percentage of arable land and they mm. supply one of the they're, they're big produce country they produce a lot of fruits and vegetables and manufactured goods okay. that we use a lot of our weapons we also get from Russia yeah. So that just that might lead to inflation here in South Africa, yeah. as well, and it might it might affect us worse because we've already been dealing with one of the worst recessions this country has ever experienced mm. since the dawn of the democracy in 1994. Yeah. This is generally a bad time for us. This this war could have not come at a worse time. All right, and how do you think um, this war will impact people socially? socially uh socially i hope that i don't know if people really i just hope that this whole propaganda war that's kind of happening on going on in the u.s and stuff like that because i feel like first and foremost we're kind of seeing a large what can i say but i saw a term of it it's russophobia in which mm -hmm. there's been a large disdain of russian people like a lot of people are hating on the average Russian citizen and stuff like that. Yeah. And I feel like it's the same with 9-11. In 9-11, you know, in 2001, when the whole Clay Towers got bombed and okay. it was a whole terrorist thing. You know how it socially changed the world in that a lot of people became Islamophobic. They started oh, hating yeah. on Muslims and stuff like that. Mm. And it became a whole thing to just dunk on them. And whether people like it or not, mm. that also affected South Africa. Yeah. And we do have a significant Muslim population, especially in large urban areas like Joburg. Yeah. And I really, we also do have a few Russians in South Africa. Mm. Although not as an extent, but just generally speaking, I just hope that yeah, culturally speaking, that might be leading to a disdain towards those people. It might also just lead towards how people view the world and just everything. Also, it might. I've recently been seeing, I don't know if social media is really a good idea of how to base your parameter on the world or on the outside world or mm -hmm. to get a people's opinion. Yeah. But generally speaking, a lot of people are pissed at the current government and all that as they've always been. Mm -hmm. And you know compounded with all this recession all this stuff like that it might change the first of all it has big i feel like it could change the south african political scheme okay. in a major way okay in a major way and we could lead towards an entire political spectrum of people uprising i'm not saying like a, the whole type of coup d'etat type stuff yeah. but i'm saying like in terms of people might be starting to mobilize and try to vote the current government off because currently you know not a lot of people know 
everything about inflation and how it's caused. And a lot mm-hmm. of people are just blaming the ANC. Yeah. Not to say they're not at fault. I mean, they could have had better economic stuff happening, but there's generally been so much that's happening okay, currently. So, um, if you if you had power or not power necessarily, if the Russian government was listening right now, what would you what would you say to them right now? Honestly, this war is not worth it. It's not worth it. And I understand that there's a lot of implications that's been going on and your views are not currently being heard, but like really it's just gonna end up affecting the average citizen in Russia. I mean, so many of the sanctions are affecting them. They're starving Russian people. And it's just generally going to be a bad side. And I feel like it's not even the Russian government that needs to listen. It's the United States, it's Ukraine, everybody. What do you mean by United States? I mean NATO. Did you know NATO's created by the United States? Okay, Okay. And it's that whole thing. But they need to understand that this isn't benefiting the average person. So how would you... um, If you were to give words of encouragement to the South Africans who are stuck in Ukraine right now, um, what would you say to them and their families? Uh, Honestly, uh, just like, I I can't, nothing I can ever say will give you a bit of comfort or satisfaction. But what I would like to say is hold on as much as cliche that statement sounds. But really there's, I mean, it feels like we've forsaken you, but it's mm-hmm. not the case. We really have been seeing a massive, you know, mobilization and people trying to see the organizations. I mean, what we're seeing Africans stuck in Ukraine and stuff like that. Okay. And there's been big mobilizations. I wish I had, like, the research and stuff like that, but I know that there's a lot of organizations currently that are helping, trying to get Russians out of, I mean, Africans out of the Ukraine. And and I'm just hoping that that generally works out. And if you do, please try to research that and try to find out more about those organizations so that you can get out. I know a lot of Africans currently, instead of leaving by Poland, they're leaving by Romania. And generally speaking, I'm not sure if you've known about that whole racist thing with Ukraine and how they're not letting Africans leave and all that. Oh, really? Hey, yeah, there's, there's a lot to learn about but there's been a lot of racist stuff happening Mm. Uh, the Polish authorities refuse to allow Africans to enter the Polish country and Mm. stuff like that and there's been a lot of Africans stuck in the border they've been barred from climbing the trains and stuff like that and it's been a lot like it's been hectic so a lot of them I remember, I remember this, I read the story where this other Nigerian students, where they had to walk literally from the capital city to the border because they weren't allowed to take the trains. Because the Polish, because like the Ukrainians weren't allowing them to take the trains, they like threw them off the trains. They said women and children first. And that's crazy. Yeah, it's like a lot of stuff is happening. First and foremost, highlighting Europe's racist problem, which as much as they would like to brag about, it's still a major issue, Mm -hmm. especially in Eastern European countries. And yeah. So a lot of them, instead of going into the Polish authorities, they've decided to go throughout the border of Romania, which has been more accepting of them, thankfully. And yeah, just, you know, that's a good thing. At least um, there's been some progress so far um, against that. 
Mm, there's okay. been major progress. As a travel enthusiast, would you visit Russia now? Mm. Looking at what they are doing to Currently, Ukraine. no. Currently, after no. the whole um, World War Three. After the whole, if honestly, if there even is a world to come back to travel <laughs> after this, because yeah. you forget that Russia is a nuclear power. Okay. With twice the lo- twice the amount of nuclear arsenals as the United States, mm-hmm. if it launches the war- if it launches half its arsenal, it has the power to bomb Earth two times over. Damn, that's crazy. So I'm just that's saying crazy. that's a huge amount. So if there's a world after this Ukraine, I don't know. I don't even want to lie to you, man. Mm-hmm. I don't even know how it's gonna look like. Cause I honestly. I like Russia. I want to actually visit. I want to visit Ukraine. I want to visit Russia. I want to visit more of Europe as a, as a person now that I'm old enough to actually experience and travel myself. Because most of the times when I was traveling the country, the world, uh, it was mostly under my mother's supervision and all that. But yeah. this time I want to really travel the world yeah. by myself with the people that I love or stuff like that. And just, you know. Yeah, and I'm no, and I feel like yeah, if if I could, I would really like to visit Russia and Ukraine really? after this entire thing, if there's even a world to go back to. But it's always been a dream of mine to at least visit them at least once. You heard it from himself, uh, Mr. Sia. We are joined by Sia on today's episode, and we're talking about the World War Three that is happening between Russia and Ukraine, and he has shared his views on how he hopes um, this war will end because Russia, he said on his way that um, there's no points for this war and we wish for other countries to actually support uh, the stopping of World War Three because it's actually in, um, influencing small countries like South Africa and other countries. There's not much we can do as people. To the South Africans stuck in Ukraine, I hope you hold on um, as there is not much you can do as uh, individuals but keep on praying for everybody. We'll keep you in our prayers and I hope this thing ends as soon as possible because it's having a bad impact on everybody socially, mentally, psychologically, in every way everybody is being impacted. Yeah. And one last question goes to see. Yeah? Um, do you have any last words to close off the podcast, Mr. Sia? Uh, I'm hoping that I'm able to... I'm not sure, but you, I think you can attach links to your podcast. So I was just going to say, I, I'm going to send a few links in the God Swords. If anybody just wants to know more about this entire situation, look out to World War, look at Ukrainian Russian conflict, Donbass, and the Crimean stuff and stuff like that. Okay. In case you didn't understand how send a few links and hopefully that will clear, help clarify some stuff alright and um, if people are interested in knowing more about Sia are there any social media platforms they can find you at <laughs> oh, okay um, I have a twitter I have a very active twitter and account I also have instagram but preferably please do not contact me on instagram <laughs> but yes on twitter I go by gravy dish literally uh, at Gravy Dish, and you can find me there on Twitter. Um, although, yeah, yeah, you can find me there on Twitter. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram, although preferably do not go there. On, and yeah, just that's a crazy name, Gravy Dish. You heard it uh, on Twitter. It's Gravy Dish, and you can DM him on Twitter. He said um, he has Instagram, but he doesn't really 
like if you will dm him on instagram do you have snapchat yes i have snapchat i'll i don't know my snapchat handle i'll probably link that also there yeah we'll put that uh, in the description uh if you want to know more about sia you can contact him uh through those platforms and that's the end of the podcast before we end the podcast i would like to give a shout out to mbulelo mshushisi the owner of um the podcast the harbinger of death so that's one of my favorite books right now um mbulelo mshushisi writes uh, novels here's a bunch of novels if you like to know more about them you can go on spotify and check out um the harbinger of death uh he has made the trailer and he will be uploading more on that and uh you can contact him i'm sure there is there's an email there and he has a bunch of books which are really interesting for people who like um horror and just creepy stuff he's is your man Yes, so make sure to follow and like and press the bell button. We'll keep on uploading. When you're loving your passion, you're loving the dream. Living the dream, young ones, they be doing some things, going so big, I think you mean keeping it real, just so we feel, yeah. Living the dream, living, living, yeah, living the dream, living the dream, that's how we feel, keeping it real, that's how we see.